Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me and making his fifth appearance on the French Lick Resort guest line is Bill Bergen. Let me remind you about Bill's background. Played his college golf at Auburn University from 1978 to 1981, and he was named first team All-SEC every year, and he helped Auburn win the 1981 SEC championship. His 65 at the 1979 Pan American Tournament still ranks as one of the lowest 18-hole scores in Auburn golf history. He's played in over 250 professional tournaments worldwide, including three U.S. Opens, two Open Championships, and over 50 PGA Tour events. He's now recognized as one of the top golf course designers around the world, and he started his own design company called Bergen Golf Design, and he has designed or redesigned courses all across the country and around the world. He's been involved in over 70 golf course design projects highlighted by his completed courses at places like the Chattanooga Golf and Country Club, which is a Donald Ross design course along the Tennessee River that Bill helped restore. He recently redesigned Minnesota Valley Country Club, which is a Seth Reiner design, Seth Reiner design. He and Reese Jones have collaborated on the McLemore Golf Club just outside of Chattanooga, and he's got several other projects in the works. You can see his works by going online to his site, bergengolf.com, and I'm excited he is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Bill, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Uh, I'm glad to be here, and I have got to give a shout-out to Michelle. I'm a big fan of hers, and uh, she does some some wonderful things, and she's also been a big advocate of the Longleaf Tea System, so it's Good to see that she and I were on the same same show today. I appreciate that. So, Bill, I got to start by getting your thoughts on your Auburn Tigers. First, on the football side, I'm sure this hasn't been the season you and Auburn fans were hoping for, but still got an opportunity to impact the national championship hopes for both Georgia and Alabama. So, how do you feel about Auburn for the rest of the season? You know, we could probably talk about that for the rest of the segment, but um, you know, we have. We had we have such potential, um, but yet you just never know what you're going to get. It was great to see that last drive on um, Saturday. The la- really the last couple minutes of that game were amazing for our quarterback and for our team. That was the first really come from behind victory we've had in a long time. So um, I know that that what we did last year was pretty miraculous, beating Georgia and Alabama. In fact. We were the team that beat the the two teams that played in the national championship game. So that was a a um, moral victory for Auburn last year. But, um, yeah, this season's been a little bit disappointing, but it's always fun. Game day down at Auburn University is a special thing. If, you, if you've never been down there, it is an amazing, amazing place. I wish I got the chance to go more often. So on a maybe on a happier side, the Auburn golf uh, men's golf team just won the East Lake Cup, defeating Alabama, oh, by the way. To win it, they're uh, ranked 15th in the poll that came out most recently on October the 30th. So talk about Auburn Golf and how you feel about where the program's at. Absolutely. And the women's team just won a tournament this week. So I'm not actually sure which tournament it was. I think it was in Texas maybe, but they won a tournament as well. So uh, really a great two weeks for the Auburn Golf program. Um, we have excellent coaches, and that's really where things start. I mean, uh, Nick Kleinert and, and uh, Melissa Llewellyn have done a fantastic job with our with our teams i'm fortunate to um, be involved with things down there we just built a a new practice green to add to our we have a 22 acre practice facility at auburn for the golf teams it's, it's incredible wow. big, big driving range you know with both ends obviously and that that's the easy part and then we have 
eight acres on the far side, which has four greens, and they're USGA spec greens where you can really do anything from 200 yards down to, you know, chip shots. So they are able to recreate situational practice. Anything they need to do, they're able to do that. But one thing we were was an all Bermuda grass golf course. And as you know, these college teams are traveling all over the country now. And so the coaches wanted a bent grass green. And so we built a new one this year. Uh, in a really good environment, Auburn's hot down there, and so to grow bent grass, you need to, you need great sunlight and great air circulation. And so we built it up on top of an old range tee, and it's a nice, almost 8,000 square foot green with the AU Victory bent grass, which is developed at Auburn, and it is more heat tolerant. And uh, it's kind of fun to be able to use our own grass on this facility and and just offer the teams another way of preparing for the, the championships that they play in. And so, you know, last year they, they were uh, semifinalists, I believe, at the um, at the NCAA championship out at Oklahoma State, and they played at Karsten Creek, which was a bent grass golf course. Well, we don't get to put on bent grass all the time. And so now this green is about to open this month. Uh, they'll be able to prepare more, and and they've really got everything you could ever you could ask for as far as a college golf program goes. So it's a it's a terrific place, and um, the young men and women that play out of that facility are really fortunate. Bill, I want to talk a, a little bit about some of your uh, most recent work, and I've seen several pictures of the Macklemore course that you and Reese Jones have co-designed. It absolutely looks spectacular. Catch us up on how that project is coming. Yeah, Macklemore is a resort second home community up on Lookout Mountain. And Lookout Mountain is basically a ridge line that runs south of Chattanooga. And it sits at 2,000 feet above sea level. Actually, we have, we have spots on the course at about 2,200 feet. Well, Chattanooga is more like 600 feet. So that lets you know that elevation is, is significant. And it gives us these incredible views over Macklemore Cove, which is where our name is derived from. And it's a it's a mountain resort type property, so it's rugged with lots of rock. It's got bent grass greens. It's got you know Bermuda fairways, but a lot of a lot of cool season native grasses. And it's just in this place where you feel like you've you've left wherever your home was and gone on vacation. It just has that feel. It's it's a getaway place. We have plans for a Hilton hotel of their curio collection. That's going to sit right on the ridge looking out over Macklemore Cove. And then our golf course just winds through this property through an area that we call the canyon area and then up on Highlands, which, you know, is obviously a, a playoff of, of the Scottish, Scottish term. And then we've got cliff holes. Our first hole and our seventh and our 18th hole are right on the cliff. And um, I'm not a person who is a big fan of heights. And our 18th green, literally 10, 10 yards left of our 18th green, it drops about a thousand feet. So it's it's oh pretty dramatic and and an incredible, an incredible sight with tons of beauty. And what we've added to it, we think that it's just great golf. And we've it was it's a renovation. Um, so 17 holes occupy the same ground, although we've pushed and pulled like we always do. But we rebuilt all the greens complexes, so the the shots around the greens are completely new. Um, tremendous diversity in, in short game opportunities. We've expanded greens complexes to make make the complex play larger, but not necessarily the putting surface. And so um, that's something that I look at on all my all my designs. I like the golf course to actually play good, 
yet we want to preserve par. We still want a challenging golf course. So, so you know, the closer you get to the hole, maybe possibly the more difficult it is, but we give you plenty of room to feel like, you you know, the golf course is fair and fun. So definitely have done that at Macklemore and, and really done a great job. You know, you've seen my bunkering and we take a lot of pride in that, but we've got just beautiful bunkering, uh, interesting shots around the greens, and, and, and every hole is diverse. And, and in fact, it's one of those courses where you will remember all the golf holes because no two are alike. And, 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 it, and they really, uh, really just stand out. So it, it's been a really exciting project. We're almost finished other than building that 18th hole and it's green is planted and, and growing in. But we're still building the 18th, um, and it sits literally along along a ridge line, right on the edge of a cliff. And, and there's just not many many sites like that, um, certainly in the southeast. So we're we're really excited about opening that. When do you anticipate the course being open? I would think about May 1st. So it'll be in the spring. Um, and and literally, um, other than the 18th hole, we'll be certainly ready to go. It will be the one that that. Um, determines when we do open and we're still building it I'm, I'm heading up there tomorrow um and we're we're shaping the fairway building tees getting ready to put irrigation in but we've still got a little bit of rock we've got to get out of the way this is a a rocky site if you've ever been on lookout mountain it's a tremendous area and you literally have homes intermingled with giant boulders and i'm talking boulders that are as big as the house and you'll you'll have a house just fits right in there with the boulders our golf course is a bit like that, and so it's it's an incredible place. I mean, things that people do up there that they cycle, they hang glide, they rock climb, they hike. Um, there's a lot to do in the area uh, besides playing golf, but we won't want to make the golf the main attraction on this site. So, with that project uh, wrapping up a bit, what are some of the other projects you're currently working on? Yeah, so we're our, we're loaded up for the next couple of years, really. Although we're we're always looking for new things, but we're, but we're really um, loaded for the next couple of years. We've got three jobs up in the mountains. We're doing Big Canoe, which is a 27-hole uh, community north of Atlanta in the mountains with with a couple big lakes, and then we're working up in Highlands, which is um, one of the highest areas in the southeast. Highlands, North Carolina sits at about 4,100 feet above sea level. So when it's 90 degrees in Atlanta, it's 72 degrees up there with no humidity, and it is remarkable. It is such a, a beautiful place. And we're working, of course, called Highlands Falls there. And then as you continue north up into North Carolina in the mountains, we're working in a place called, in, in a town called Roaring Gap, and at, at a course called High Meadows. So those are three mountain courses, you know, that we're, that are all in our, on our books right now. And then we've got a beach course down at Santa Rosa Beach. And so um, those are four of the projects that we're, we're actively working on at the moment. And, and they're all sort of that uh, second home or getaway um, resort type facilities. So um, some that, that certainly people who are listening can go play. So that's exciting as well. So I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on some things going on around the game of golf and out on the tours. And we continue to see guys on the PGA Tour sort of bomb and drives, you know, 350 plus yards on a, on a semi-regular basis. And they bomb it as far as they can off the tee because the fairways are so wide and the rough isn't all that high. And regardless of where the ball lands, they'll be able to gouge it out, get it in your know, short iron, get it up on the green. And we saw how different the game is over in Europe at the Ryder Cup when the emphasis was more on driving accuracy. And our guys seem to struggle 
a bit because they're used to just hitting it all over the place. And over there, they couldn't get away with it. So I was curious to get your thought as a designer. Is that is that what we're going to have to do with the uh, golf courses over here since we can hit it as far and, you know, they're not going to put the toothpaste back in the tube with the golf ball and stuff like that. At least I can't imagine they are or go by, go to bifurcation. So we're we going to have to do some things with the golf courses, like narrow the fairways, grow up the rough and that sort of thing to keep the game and a lot of the golf courses around the country relevant. You know, that's a, a great question, and I've thought a lot about it. Um, one of the things that um, you and I have talked about before that's um, a characteristic of our design work is our course ratings are, are actually quite difficult, and our slope ratings on our courses are modest. And what that means is for the average golfer, our courses are very playable, but for the better golfer, they're actually harder. And so we have a certain philosophy about the way we set up golf courses that I think would translate to the tour, although don't don't let me go too far down this road because I don't want to under, underestimate their abilities. I was fortunate to play in 50 PGA Tour events, but I would tell you that that was in the 80s, and today they play a different game. They hit it so far, it's just almost beyond what I can fathom and the launch angles that they hit the ball, you look at it and you go, well, that, you know, back in the day, we consider that ball skied and they've just flown it 330 yards at a trajectory that I, that is really hard to imagine. So, um, you know, adjusting the golf course for less, you know, it, it's so much less than 1% really doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it's probably a, a bigger conversation piece than, something that we need to worry about because there just aren't that many players that play at that level. For the most golfers, I mean, we're building golf courses that are, quite honestly, much shorter. We're adding forward tees on every golf course that we do, and we do add length when we can, but what I've always found is I, I search for yards diversity more than I search for a 74 or 7,500-yard golf course. I want a great mix. I want some short holes. I want some good long holes and, and stuff in between. And if you get that balance, you know, I think you've got the best golf course. It's going to be really interesting to see how Pebble Beach plays, because that course is probably just under 6,900 yards, which in today's world is really short. But the different thing at Pebble Beach that we haven't seen in a little while is the average green size is 4,000 square feet. So those are small targets. Those are really small targets. So Players are not going to want to be in bad position. And, and the U.S. Open will probably grow a little bit more traditional rough next year. Um, I was fortunate to play in the U.S. Open at Pebble in 1982. So I can't wait to watch it this summer and see how the game has changed and see how the golf course is set up and see how the players adapt to it. It's going to be really, really exciting. So, Bill, as you mentioned, whole diversity, I was curious – when, when you're doing an original course design and you've got a raw piece of property to work with, how do you determine how the course is going to be laid out? You know, length of holes, this one's going to be straight, this one is going to be a dog leg left, or this is going to be a dog leg right. When you're laying that whole thing out, how do you go about determining how that's going to, you know, what that formation is going to look like? Yeah, so it's interesting. We start, in fact, I'm working on a new project up in, in Tennessee. It's not a full golf course, but it's a, it's a pretty cool golf amenity project. And, and I'm, you start out with a topo and the topo tells you where your good green sites are. And the topo tells you where your angles are and, and, you know, which direction you're going. And it's literally built, designing a new golf course is literally a 20 piece puzzle. You've got 18 holes. You've got practice facilities. You've got clubhouse that you have to concern yourself with, and you may have a real estate component as well. 
But those 20 pieces of pu- that 20 piece puzzle, we literally take templates, which are little, you know, holes that are on a hinge that we lay on this on the topo and we start playing with them just like you would with a puzzle. And you start. And, and the funny thing is the land designs the golf course. The architect's job is to discover it. And, you know, if you have the right property, that's a pretty easy thing. If you have a tougher property, it can be quite challenging. And we may do, you know, five to ten different routings when we're looking at a new golf course, just trying to fit the land. But some of those holes just keep showing up. I mean, you just go, that is such a good green complex in that area. I'm going to keep that, and I'm going to work around it. And then I look at, you know, again, diversity. I'd love to design you know, and we have a, a bunch of them, but a bunch of par, you know, one par three on each course that's 130 to 150 yards, a short one, you know, and then I want one that's 230, 240 these days, okay, where you actually put a four iron in a tour player's hand. You know, it used to be a three wood from that distance, but, but put a four iron in, in their hand and then get two middle, middle par threes and you may have a one with water. And, you know, it's funny, a frontal hazard never bothers a good player. The side hazards do. So if you're going to have a water hazard, you don't want it out in front. You really want it on the side. That's what gets tour, gets tour players' attention because they are going to push it and pull it, but they hit it solid every time. So something in front doesn't really bother them very much. And then you're looking at, you know, one really reachable par five and one unreachable par five that's purely a three-shotter. And then the other two, you know, they might be semi-reachable, although, again, that's almost impossible in today's world when when guys are flying at 330 with a driver and 250 with a with a three wood, you can see how quickly that adds up to 600 yards. So, anyway, um, you know that's how we start, and then we want we want a long par four on each nine. We want a short par four, possibly drivable. And again, you're looking for that mix and that balance, all while trying to fit it on the topography. And and the topography is the number one designer, and then we're trying to fit it fit around with what God's given us. Bill, just a couple more before we let you go. And with all the rules changes set to come in in January, one of the things that I was surprised to hear some chatter about is the idea of fixing spike marks and that, you know, guys now, since they can, will be able to sort of fix everything, are going to be tapping down a lot around the hole. And the the idea that, you know, guys going to be tapping around the hole, uh, you know, all through four rounds and, and, you know, a couple of practice rounds, is that's going to lead to undulations and and some untrue rolls as the ball gets closer to the hole. And I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have thought, wow, it's great. Now that you can fix spark marks, that, that's going to make everything roll truer. But I'm hearing there may be some unintended consequences. Does that make any sense? I haven't heard that yet, but I, w- I would think that's not going to be as big a deal as it sounds, and I don't think it will take players very long to do it because they know specifically where their line is. I will say that there I've heard a lot of conversation about the new soft spikes and you know how they make the spider spikes that actually do more damage to the green than old metal spikes did. And and so that's that's an interesting thing. I love the soft spikes because you can wear them in, in a restaurant, you can wear them in the clubhouse, you can go anywhere you want with them. So they're convenient for that reason, but um superintendents say they do more um, they make more marks and more indentations around around the you know around the hole than than metal spikes did. So I hadn't heard that about the um, tapping it down, but I will. Uh, that's something you know. Whenever you bring something up, you're gonna I'm gonna go ask some of my superintendents and say, what do you think about that? So good good question. Yeah. 
Bill, and when you finished a project, I'm always curious, you know, we like to try to keep things on the positive side here. And, and I got to imagine you've gotten a lot of really positive feedback at the end of, you know, all the great redesigns and course designs you've done. But what, what's the nicest thing someone's ever said to you when you finished a project? You know, one of my favorites is um, a member told me that, that he goes, you've spoiled me. I don't enjoy playing anywhere but my home course anymore. And that's a big compliment that, that wow. they love their course so much that they don't, they don't really enjoy going other places. They're always disappointed. Um, so that's, that's a big one. And we've had a, a couple of really cool things. Um, four of our most recent projects all have waiting lists now. Uh, to join the club, and they're obviously private clubs, and I, I work on a lot of historical, so older ones, you know, some, that are from the 20s or even the teens, but four of, of our most recent ones have waiting lists, and so, you know, that says a lot. That says people are really enjoying, and they didn't prior to the work, and so that says that people are enjoying playing the golf courses, so that's, that, that, that is very rewarding to me when I get the call from a general manager that says, hey, we have a waiting list now, and um, thank you, so um, that's, that's exciting stuff. So remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's on your website or on social media now. Yeah, so we're you know we're really active on social media, and it's funny as winter approaches, I always do a whole of the week um, type post because you know we're not as, we don't have as many jobs under construction, we don't travel as much in the winter, and it's you know kind of bleak and dreary, and you're you're looking for those green grass opportunities and something beautiful. So we go through 18 weeks of a whole of the week. And at, this year we're going to do transformations. So we're going to do renovations where we show the, the, um, the before we started working and what we finished with. And we're going to do that once a week. So we do that on Twitter. We do it on Instagram and we do it on Facebook. And then, um, obviously our website at, at www.burdengolf.com. But we're, we're very active on social media. In fact, a lot of my clients, um, I've, I'm getting, um, certainly getting jobs because of social media, believe it or not. So it's, um, it's one of those things where you're on people's mind and when it's time for them to renovate, they go, Hey, I've seen his work. Let's give him a call. And that's, that's happening for us. So it's, uh, that's exciting. So we, we, we take advantage of the social media and enjoy it. Uh, that's fantastic. Good for you. Well, Bill, it's always great having you as part of the show. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and, and join me again tonight. Uh, I hope you'll come back a little bit later on in the winter as we can start to get people excited about some of the things that you're going to have uh, coming up in the spring. But uh, thank you for being here tonight. My pleasure. And you guys uh, keep up with the Macklemore Project. It's, it's definitely a resort that people can come play. And um we look forward to, to showing uh, more of it as we as we get ready to open it up. So thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing it. Take care, Bill. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Same to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Same to you. Folks, that's the great Bill Bergen. And, and again, it's bergengolf.com and at bergengolf on social media. Great stuff. Macklemore, I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, please, I highly encourage you. Go online. Themacklemore.com is the website. And it looks absolutely spectacular. And when you talk about a high-end resort uh, hotel on the property as well, boy, that's going to be a place. It's just outside of Chattanooga. So really looking forward to going to check out that property before long. 